Well, we give you a warm welcome to our service this morning. It is good to see you, those of you who have braved the conditions. We were, well, snowed out on Wednesday evening at our prayer meeting. We went to Zoom only, and uh, we're very thankful to the Lord that you're able to get through the conditions. We have some light snow falling today with a little bit of accumulation here in Toronto. And nonetheless, we're happy for those who are both in the meeting and joining us online want to begin our service of worship today with number 437 from our hymnal, I am His and He is Mine, a great theme, loved with everlasting love, led by grace, that love to know, Spirit breathing from above, Thou hast taught me it is so, oh, this full and perfect peace, oh, this transport all divine in a love which cannot cease, for I am His, and He is mine. Let's stand, please, to worship.
Now let's bow, please, before the Lord now in prayer. Our loving and gracious Father, we bow humbly in Thy holy presence this morning, giving thanks that we are here in the house of prayer, in this place of worship. Thankful, Lord, for grace, safety, the desire that You put within the hearts of Your people to be here. And Lord, we acknowledge at the very commencement of our service the need of the Holy Spirit in every part of our meeting. Every time we gather for worship and prayer, each time we gather to open the Scriptures and to see the Word of God expounded, dear Lord, we are very conscious that without the Spirit's help, we are not able to accomplish even the very least of things. We know, Lord, that spiritually we are so dependent, so needy. And Lord, we don't want that dependence ever to wane. Lord, we do not want to think we are able of ourselves, something that we would bring to the table by our own intellect, our own motive or feelings. Dear Lord, we come ever needful, ever dependent upon Your grace, upon, Lord, the need of the Spirit's power to work within us and through us. And Lord, we acknowledge the great and precious promises that we have in the Word of truth. Lord, so graciously given to us promises to instruct us, promises to encourage, promises to help us to depend on in times of need, and promises that we will bring, Lord, earnestly in prayer for our spiritual advancement, for our Christ-likeness, for the defeat of the devil, for the victory over sin that we need to have in our life. Lord, we count these promises in Your holy Word as precious and real and vital and absolutely essential for our daily walk. Lord, fill our hearts today with joy in the Spirit of God. Take away from us any spirit of melancholy or sadness or depression or worry. Let us cast all of those things, Lord, at the throne of grace and to present them as we are called to do in the Word, casting all our care upon the Savior, casting all our burdens upon our Lord. For Thou hast promised to deliver and to hear and answer prayer. Father, we pray today for those who are not able to be here because of the weather conditions. Bless them in their homes. Bless them as they watch online today. We pray that their hearts would not be at all cast down, but rather lifted up and encouraged. We pray for those who are sick, Lord, needing Your touch upon them. Be with them especially. We think of those who are recovering from surgery or in the hospital. We pray for our sister Joan today, that You would bless her. We're thankful for bringing her safely through her surgery and we pray that today she will know the comfort and grace and strength and peace of the Lord upon her. Remember 
Lord, we pray, Serene and Ron. Lord, we pray for all of the sick ones who have long range sicknesses as it is. And we pray, Lord, that they would be given much grace. And Lord, a, a blessed healing upon their body. Hear and answer our prayers regarding these matters. We pray also for those who are shut in and not able to be out. Maybe they're in a senior's home, long-term care. We pray for Brother Bodner today that your hand will be upon him to encourage him and strengthen him and touch his body. We pray for Brother Cranston. Remember the work also in Port Hope today. And we just ask for your blessing and hand to be upon all of these works. And so, Lord, hear our prayer today. Encourage our hearts. Lift us up. We know, Father, there are many in various places in this world who are under the heel of oppression. We pray for their encouragement and their testimony and their safety, being persecuted for their faith. Bless and encourage their hearts this day. So hear us now. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're singing Psalm 121 now. Psalms at the back of our hymnal. Psalm 121 will stand, please, as we sing. going to read this morning from the book of Romans, chapter 6. The book of Romans, chapter 6. And we're reading the first 14 verses. What shall we say then? 
Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, or let it not be so. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized unto Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. May the Lord bless His Word. We know He will. Encourage our hearts by it. I want to welcome you all today to the Lord's house, and we're very glad that you're here. And as I said in the opening remarks, we're very pleased that you brave the elements and the Lord has brought you safely here uh, to His house. We pray also that you'll be taken again safely home. And we want to say a word of welcome to those who are viewing our service online today. We're very happy that you've been able to join with us. Give you an update and a report on our sister Joan McKercher, who came through her surgery very well. I was able to speak to her yesterday, and uh, she was very encouraged and recovering. And she is with her daughter Kim at this time. She can take a little bit more uh, care of her. We want to remember also our brother Duncan. It's good to see him in the service this morning. Our poor brother was snowed in this past week. The snow plow went around his street and put a, a monstrous pile in front of his driveway, and uh, he was not able to get out for a few days, but we're glad, brother, that you're able to be here today, and uh, also that uh, Joan is making some good uh, progress and recovery. I hope to be able to go and visit her uh, tomorrow. Also, please remember our brother Kingsley Jew in your prayers. 
as he's also recovering from uh, some health uh, problems that he has. And I was able to speak with uh, Richard Watson this past week, uh, Thelma's son. And Thelma, well, she is very weak at this time. And uh, we don't know how much longer she will be for this side of glory. But do remember, Thelma, please, very much in your prayers and their family as well. And also the work in Port Hope and Brother Cranston, as he is still not able to be in the pulpit. Brother Gallagher was to be down there today, and I'm not quite sure if he made the journey or not, coming from Barrie and driving all the way to Port Hope. But we'll have to get an update and a report on that. But do remember our Brother Cranston and also Bodner as well. Do please remember also Thelma uh, and uh, Teresa, rather, sorry, Teresa and Adrian. Uh, Teresa, they have been coming to the church the last while, and Teresa is just about ready to have her baby. And so we want to remember uh, Teresa before the Lord and that God will give her safe delivery and uh, to be praying for their family. Also had a chat with Maud Bennett yesterday. Maud has not been out to the service for quite some time. It was, um, well, she went to her and Winston went over to Northern Ireland, uh, where they are from, for several weeks in the fall. And then Maud was able to be out once since then, but she's not been enjoying good health and then driving difficulties in the wintertime. But uh, she wants to be remembered to the congregation. So our sister, we remember her before the Lord in prayer. This past week, we have enjoyed our time of prayer each night. We call that our Congregational Week of Prayer as we begin our new year. Well, if you missed out on this past week, you missed out on some very great blessing. The Lord was with us in our seasons of prayer. And I'm tempted to say that you also missed out on battling with the devil. You missed out on getting victory over the flesh. You missed out on some of the battles in prayer. But those are indeed blessings from the Lord as there are victories that are given and the joy and fellowship with God's people as we join one with another and bring our intercession, our burdens, our prayers to the Lord based upon His promises. And these are special times. And we enjoyed the Lord's presence with us and for those who were able to be out in person and then those joining online as well. We are now are waiting with anticipation to see how God's going to answer those prayers as we believe we were praying in His will and for His glory. And that's how the church of Christ will be enabled to go forward. Please remember today our services this afternoon, 5.50 prayer before the service and 6.30, our evening worship time. And then following that tonight, we'll be having a time of food and fellowship after the service. Tuesday evening, the Ladies' Bible Study, January 31st, and that will be at 7 p.m. via Zoom only. So ladies, please take note of that. And our prayer meeting, 7.30 on Wednesday. On Thursday, there will be a Finance Committee meeting at 5 p.m., meeting here in the church. And the next Lord's Day, Reverend Gallagher will be here for those services. As I We'll be traveling in the will of God next Saturday heading toward Cloverdale because the congregation there will be having an 
a congregational vote for a new minister. And so we want to ask for your prayers, for God's will to be done for, in that congregation. And once more, as we're seeing another of our fellowships ready to call a man and seeking the Lord's direction, thankful for what He has done in Orlando, thankful for what He's done in the Mission Church in Dominican Republic, and these are our great blessings. And so we are very, very thankful uh, to the Lord uh, for that. So please remember that in prayer. An advance notice for February the 11th. It is our family skate for all ages and an opportunity for you to invite maybe family members or some neighbors or friends to come out and get to know other members of the congregation. And that's going to be from 11.30 to 12.30 at the Canlan Sports Arena on Markham Road. If you're not just quite sure where that is, you could speak to our brother Jonathan McAnally and he'd be able to let you know it's just up Markham Road north of Finch. And uh, coming back to the church after that for a time of pizza lunch and fellowship, and uh, please, we're looking forward to that. It'd be a great day. If you'd like to join into that, there's a sign-up sheet on the table at the back, and you can write your name and just how many people will be coming from your family. We have our new church phone contact directory available now for those who are in our congregation. And if you would like to get one of those, you can pick it up at the, at the door when you leave there this morning. Very good to see Sandy come in the church this morning. And uh, we know that her husband has just arrived from India. So you folks are very welcome. We're very glad you're here today. Didn't know if you'd make it braving the weather in the winter. But I know that Sandy's very happy. Her husband just arrived from overseas. And so, folks, you're very welcome here in the service today. We trust the Lord will bless His Word uh, to your heart. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise. We will do number 255. And the tune is a familiar one to He Leadeth Me. We'll stand, please, as we sing.
words. Tremendous hymn. I ask you to turn, please, now in your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 2. book of Galatians, chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 16 down to 21. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if While we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Lord bless His Word to our hearts today. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Lord, we have Your Holy Word open now before us, and we pray for clarity of thought and understanding. We ask for the Spirit's help that we might understand and that no one would be confused, no one would be distracted, that there would be a word, a ready word for every heart. Lord, we pray that You would speak to any heart outside of Christ, unsaved. They do not know the Lord Jesus. And they would come today to trust in Him, the One who has loved us with an everlasting love, the One who died in our place. Dear Lord, today, that we might understand what that means in all its fullness. And so hear our prayer today. 
Give me strength, Lord, I ask. The anointing of the Spirit of God to speak the Word faithfully and clearly. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. title of my message this morning is simply Christ's love for me. And I want us to think on the words of verse 20 from Galatians chapter 2. I am crucified with Christ, Paul said. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. There is an inbred problem that we have in our human nature, and it is this, that we seek to justify our actions by our actions. We tend to make excuses for the way we behave, and we will blame others. We attempt to justify our wrongdoing by personal merit, personally justifying ourselves. It's an age-old problem. It goes all the way back to the beginning. Last Lord's Day, we were talking about Cain, and he offered to God the fruit of his own hands. When God had required of Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve, a blood sacrifice, one had to die in the place of the sinner that was without sin. And so an innocent animal in that time was taken and was offered to God. But Cain didn't do that. He brought a different offering. He brought the offering of the fruit of the ground. After all, undoubtedly he thought he was a good person. And he thought he was good enough to come before the Lord in the way that he would justify as being acceptable. I don't doubt he was sincere. I don't doubt he did it with the best effort. But all of this amounts to the work of the flesh, the work of our inner motive. And our flesh is corrupt. We are sinful. And we are told by Isaiah that all of our righteous activity, our righteous things, are before God detestable. They are unclean. They are filthy. And so, we need to have a righteousness that is sinless. We need to have a sacrifice that is clean and pure before the Lord to be offered. And this is what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. He is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And when we place our faith and trust in Him and believe His Word, 
we are promised the gift of everlasting life. The gift of our sins being forgiven. The gift of being able to come into God's presence and be accepted, to be received, to be embraced by our God. And this is exactly what the Galatians had been taught initially by the Apostle Paul. These people had been taught the very things that I have just explained to you. And they believed them. And they received them. And they trusted in Christ as their Savior. And they loved Him. But something happened. A problem occurred. And something came in to hinder them, to distract them from the truth. They, in a sense, went off the rails of God's promise, and they believed a lie. And they who had begun in the Spirit, in other words, they had followed the Lord in the right way, but now they were going to finish their course in the power of their own flesh. And that's the very thing that Paul spoke to them about, exposing their error and trying to bring them back on track again. False teachers had come into the Galatian church. And those false teachers had begun to tell them that, yes, yes, okay, believing God by faith is necessary, but you also have to show the evidence of that by following the list of rules and regulations of the Old Testament laws. That was a great error. As a matter of fact, it was so important for them to be corrected from that error that Paul said in the first chapter of Galatians that anyone, any preacher any evangelist, any person coming into this your church and is preaching that gospel, which Paul says was another gospel, to say that we can be justified before God by our own good works, by our own fleshly efforts. If anybody teaches that, they are to be accursed from God, they are to be cast into hell. And so, so important was this teaching. So important was this truth that anyone who opposed it, there was the worst and the most severe judgment of God upon them. And so what Paul is doing here in bringing those errant Christians back on track again, he is teaching them the doctrine of full and free justification by grace alone, and that every true believer receives the gift of eternal life from God based on the work that Jesus did and not by our own works-based justification. That is to be rejected. Even Peter, 
was rebuked by the apostle. And Paul mentions this in this second chapter of Galatians. He said that in Antioch, Peter, he had been fellowshipping with the Gentiles, those who had been converted. But when the Jews had come to Antioch, Peter got nervous. And he thought, uh-oh, these Jews are going to see me fellowshipping with the Gentiles, and they're going to reject me. Or he didn't want to be under the shadow of that. And so he left the Gentiles and went to be with those Jews. And when Paul heard about this, he rebuked Peter openly and said, no, what you have done is wrong. You have given the very credence to the false doctrine that the Galatians were, had succumbed to. And said that is a wrong thing. It's not wrong that we have fellowship with all different peoples, but the wrong thing is to try and set up by our actions or our teaching that there is any other type of justification before the Lord than that which is full and free and on the account of Jesus Christ and His work alone. That's the only way that we can be saved. And Paul emphasizes this in the opening verse that we read today in verse 16. He says, "...knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ." Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. He went on to say, For if I build again the things that I have destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. What did he mean by that? He meant that if I have realized that the Old Testament, the law of God, cannot justify and save me, I have taken that doctrine down and said, no, it's not by the works of the law. But if I then go and live or attempt to live by that standard, he said, I have, I'm, I'm building up again that which I said was wrong and bad. And so it's a bit like a man There's a lot of garbage in the room. And so he's going to clean up the garbage from the room. And so he picks it up from one side of the room and he goes and he places it over on the other side of the room where he's no farther ahead. It's all still there in the room. Paul said, no, you cannot do that. And the whole point of teaching here is to show this, that we have been born again and saved by the sacrifice of Christ, then we are joined to Him. Then we are given a brand new nature and the pathway of faith by which we are saved is the same pathway by which we are to live our life. So, you're not going to be saved by faith and grace and then live by your own motivation, power, obedience to the law, and so on. No, we are saved by grace, and we are going to live by our faith. For what did Paul say in Romans? That the just shall live by faith. And we are saved by our faith, 
And we are to live, therefore, each day by the gift of faith. And all of this boils down to the teaching that Paul is bringing out here that as Christians, we are unified to Jesus Christ. We are in union with Him. And that's the teaching he is bringing out here. And that union, it cannot be dissolved by any power in hell or any power on earth. And so I want today, as we look at verse 20, and think about these precious words that we have before us. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ. He lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I want us to think about our union with Christ today and how the Lord's love for us is so clearly seen. His unfathomable love to us. The first thought I leave with you this morning is this. There is a surprisingly strange union that is introduced to us in this verse, number 20. For he starts off by saying, I am crucified with Christ. This is a solemn statement. This does not sound altogether too inviting. Now, dying with someone would be bad enough. But being crucified, which is one of the most barbaric forms of capital punishment, it would be far worse. And yet this is the direct statement that is given to us by the Holy Spirit written through the Apostle Paul. So what does it mean? It was obviously not a literal end to Paul's physical life. He was still doing his work. He was still serving the Lord. So when he makes the statement, I am crucified with Christ, it's not a physical death that he's talking about. There is something more here. And the truth is that when Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin, we died with Him. That is, my sinful nature was put to death. Now, a dead person is not affected by the influences that are around them. So, through our union with Christ in death, we are no longer, and I want you to understand this point, we are no longer controlled by the passions of the flesh to live by them or to live after them. They are dead to us, and we are also to them. But we have to 
we have to dig down a little bit deeper into this. What does this mean? Having died in Christ, we are not under the power and the control of Satan as once we were outside before we were saved. Satan had dominance, control, authority over our lives when we were unsaved. But once we have received Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior, the power and authority and control of Satan over our life has been broken. The ungodly, unsaved people, they indulge in sin as we did before we were saved. They indulge in sin with no apparent guilt or remorse. Immoral thoughts, evil actions, they're considered just to be a part of the human condition. And now someone's not going to maybe say, oh yes, I, I just love to deep do a deep dive into the worst type of sins. People don't generally say those things. But when it comes down to it, the sins that they will indulge in, they don't even acknowledge they are sins, first of all, but they have no conscience about it. They have no real sense of guilt about it, about it, apart from the potential shame that may be connected to it on a human societal condition. And they might say, well, I'd prefer not to have that exposed because it may well be a little bit of a shame situation. But before God, there is no sense of real guilt, no sense that they have offended a holy God, certainly to no degree that they'd be judged for that sin. But how actually does this work out for every Christian? If we are crucified with Christ, if we are dead to the sinful ways of this world, what does it mean? Because we still wrestle with sinful thoughts and motives. Just because you are a Christian, it does not mean that you are not tempted with thoughts, tempted with evil actions, tempted with a sense of looking jealously upon someone else's wealth, their good looks, their abilities, their talents. It does not mean that you would not have a bitter thought toward someone else. No, all of those things are still things that as a Christian we wrestle with. The truth behind this is that the sentence of death has been declared over our lives. The sentence of death has been declared against our sinful nature. In the same way that Adam was warned by God that in the day that he would eat of the forbidden fruit, you will surely die. When Adam ate of that fruit, we know that he did not die physically. But the sentence of death was upon him and upon all his generation following. And so the process of death began in Adam at that moment, 
when he disobeyed God, and it would be 900 years before he would die or more after that. But he definitely died spiritually towards God at that moment, and he died in the sentence of eternal death being brought upon all those who have sinned against God. But the pronouncement of death that was upon him physically, it did not see its culmination until many, many years afterward. And in this sense, the reverse is true in the hope that every true born-again believer in Christ has. When we talk about our crucifixion with Christ, we died in Him, and the sentence of death was upon our sinful nature, and also the certainty of life in glory with Christ was given to us. And now the time between our salvation and the time we get to heaven. It's our earthly life of being redeemed. And it's the struggle that we will have against sin. And it's the battle and the fight that we will continue to have. Now the time between our salvation and heaven And that battle will be against the world and the flesh and the devil. But believer, do not forget this truth. The sentence of death has been against our sinful, corrupt nature. It is declared by God as dead. And in that declaration, you and I have the promise and the hope of everlasting life. It's a little bit in this illustration like a convicted criminal that is on death row. He's still alive. He's still on death row. But the day is coming and marching closer and closer when the warden of the prison will come down to call his name and he would be led out to his eventual death. And you think about that in relation to us. And the old nature has received the verdict from heaven, death to the old man and way. And one day, we will see that completed when we leave this scene of time and when our physical body and flesh goes down to the grave and our spirit is released to go unto Christ and to God. Then, we will see the fullness and have the full understanding of that. But in the meantime, there is for the true Christian a conscience that to indulge in sinful things is to grieve the Spirit of God. And I am glad the Lord has placed that conscience within us. We know that when we have done something and the Spirit is grieved, then our hearts are convicted for that. We don't have peace. We cannot pray aright. We cannot just ignore it and go on. We must see that it is put right. And that's the very factual evidence that 
there is something that has changed within our hearts and lives. The very fact that we have a conscience of this is an evidence that we are dead to the world and to its controlling power in our lives. We are no longer living under that control of Satan, though he tempts us and though he endeavors to make us stumble and fall. The influences are present all around us, and it will be a battle unto the end. We have mentioned a couple of weeks ago and remind you again about how the Apostle Paul felt that same struggle. He concluded, O wretched man, who will deliver me from the body of this death? For the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, those things I do. Yes, if any man knew what it was to be crucified with Christ and to have the new life and hope put into him, he did. But he also realized there is a lifelong battle and warfare against sin. The Apostle Peter also said, speaking about our connection with the Lord, he said of Christ, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. In Romans chapter 6 that we read, it goes into some further detail into how this works out and what it looks like in a Christian's life, that we are no longer under that authority of sin and death. And we therefore are not to yield our members, not to yield our body, to be given over to those fleshly things, but to live above them. And dear Christian, today we have the authority of God we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, enabling us by God's promise to accomplish that very thing, not by our own strength, not by following a list of the laws of the Old Testament in order to justify us, but to take God's holy law, the Ten Commandments that He has mapped out for a pathway and a program of holiness and righteousness and truth, and to hide God's Word in our hearts. David said, Thy Word have I hid in mine heart. And he said, I love the law of God after the inward man. Yes, David knew what it was to have justifying grace. He knew the peace of God. He knew the joy of what it was to be alive in Christ. And he said, I love God's holy law. And Christian you also today love God's holy Word. And so don't be deceived by that statement that says we are no longer under the law, but we are now under grace. Some people have confused that to think, oh, we're therefore no longer required to live by the Ten Commandments. That is not what it means at all. We are never under the law in order to be justified before God because Christ has kept the law perfectly for us but as a pattern and way of life. Of course we love His law. Of course we follow His commandments. Jesus said, if you love Me, you will follow My commandments and you will obey them. And so, yes, friends, 
This truth we have before us today is a great one. It is a solemn word that Paul said, I am crucified with Christ because it so underlines our union with our Savior, our union with His death. It is solemn, but it is also a vital union. And I mean by that, it is of absolute necessity. It is a vital union of utmost importance. We cannot do without it. There's nothing else that could come in place of this union with our Savior in His death. We are united to Christ's crucifixion. For if we were not dead with Christ to the world, then we are still very much alive to it. Yes, friends, if you're not dead in Christ to the world, then you're still alive to the world And that means you're not saved. You're not a true follower of Christ. And if we are alive to the world, it means we have no part in Christ. Some have suggested that there could have been another way in which God could have forgiven our sins. Why could He not just have decreed the sinner free and forget about all those nasty sins? Why couldn't the Lord have just made an arbitrary declaration, I'm not going to worry about your sins, we're just going to forget about them all and just go on and bring everyone into heaven? It sounds like a good plan, a nice idea. Why couldn't God have done that? Others might have thought, why couldn't the Lord have accepted all of the animal sacrifices that were given in the Old Testament? Thousands of gallons of blood spilled of all the innocent animals. Why didn't God just accept that in place of our sin? Why not about this idea? Why not place all our sins on Satan? Because after all, it was his fault to begin with, wasn't it? Why shouldn't he bear our sins? And then there are other arbitrary ways people think or would put forward that God could have sought for expiation of our sins and atonement. But all of those are not acceptable. They don't work. They would not work. In fact, there was only one way, friend, and that was for Christ, the perfect and sinless substitute, to stand in our place and to take punishment for my sin that I deserved and to expunge my guilt and my sin. And how do we know that there was no other way but this way? How do we know it wasn't something that God could have just set the sins aside, brushed them under the carpet, put them on Satan, Receive the blood of animals because, my friend, of the very fact that God sent His only begotten Son into the world to bear away our sins. It shows us beyond any argument 
It shows us beyond any other explanation that that was the only answer for the atonement that had to be made and could be made. For if there could have been any other way, do you think that a holy and righteous God would have made some capricious act and say, my son will go and die if there had have been any other way? There was no other way. But Christ had to die in order to bear away our sin and to suggest any other way. It impugns the holiness and the righteousness of our God. No, friend, Christ's death on the cross and the shedding of His blood is the only way for sinners to be saved and taken home to, de- to heaven. And I say to you today, friend, do you know that Jesus is your Savior this morning? Are you alive in Christ today? Have you confessed your sins to Him? Do you know Him as your own? Is He yours? Oh, I say to you today, if you do not know Him, do not wait another moment. Do not delay after this meeting, but right where you are now in your seat, you can ask and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin, and you will find Him to be your Savior and your Lord. One commentator wrote, Being then crucified with Him, we are freed from all the curse and guilt of the law. He who endeavors to set aside that deliverance makes void the cross of Christ. So, if anyone like Cain would think they can come to God by any other way but the blood sacrifice of Christ, they ultimately make the cross of Jesus to be empty, void, foolish, unnecessary, just a a mistake of history. No, friend, that's why it is so absolutely essential the vital union that we have in Christ's death because there was no other solution for us to be saved. I want you to think with me also about some of the implications of this. Being crucified with Christ means that I was put to death on the cross and that my sins were nailed there and the just punishment for my crimes, the crimes that I committed, the sins that I did, they were judged by God upon Jesus Christ. And I want to make it very clear because there is some confusion about this point. When we talk about dying with Christ on the cross, when as Paul says we are crucified with Christ, it in no way means that we suffered there 
as Christ suffered. In no way did we share in the expiation, in the atonement for our own sins. There is nothing that we brought to the table apart from our sin. And so some theologians may talk about our suffering with Christ in His death, but we did not suffer with Him. He suffered for us and in our place. This is the doctrine known as the vicarious atonement of Christ. And the word vicarious, it simply means in the place of. So when we talk about Jesus Christ and His vicarious atonement, it means that He went to the cross instead of me going to the cross and suffering and dying and bearing the penalty and the wrath for my sin. He took all of it. He drank all the cup. There was nothing more for me to offer, nothing more for me to pay. He died, the just and holy one, for me, the unjust and the guilty one. And so now, praise God, I am free. And this means that the whole of my sins and all of their damning power were placed on Jesus, and now I am free. And the debt load, the debt that was on my back, the debt of guilt that damned me to a lost eternity, friend, it was all placed on Him. And He bore my sin. And He took my sins and my sorrows. And He made them a very own. And never are they to be remembered against me again for all eternity. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. The line of a chorus. And this hymn we know so well. He took my sins and my sorrows and made them His very own. He bore the burden to Calvary. He suffered and He died alone. And that is the great wonder and the great implication of all of the union of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. And friend, as I share that with you this morning, I ask you again, do you know Him as your Lord and Savior? Today is their satisfaction in your heart. Do you have the assurance of everlasting life. That assurance is only found when you trust in Jesus as your own and you know Him as your Savior and then you are alive in Him. Oh, the psalmist said, taste and see, for the Lord is good. And when you have tasted of your Lord and you have confessed your sins, you will know the joy and peace of ever lasting life. I want to end our message there today. There's much more that I had in this verse for us, and I want us to then think about it tonight in our evening message, as I don't want to rush through these things. They're 
is so much in this verse of Scripture for us. So I pray that God will use it and instruct us in His will. Let's bow, please, in prayer. As our heads are bowed this morning, our eyes are closed, I wonder, friend, has the Lord been speaking to your heart today? Whether you are in this church building or you are watching from your home, your computer, salvation is offered freely today. And the Lord Jesus is waiting and inviting you to come. Right where you are sitting, you can say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart today. Come into my life. Take control. Take over. Forgive me. Wash me. Make me clean. And as you offer that prayer, the Lord has promised that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, hear our prayer this morning and take your holy word, Lord. And I pray that you would save those who are unsaved and that you would reinforce this truth into every believer's heart that each of us would know what it means to bask in the sunlight of our indissoluble union with Jesus. Hear our prayer today, Lord, for we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.